you so much for listening to the Talking Classical podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the Talking Classical podcast and you'll receive a notification every time a new episode is released. You can also follow the Talking Classical podcast on Twitter, on the Talking Classical blog and on Facebook and YouTube. Many thanks for listening once again. I hope that you'll be able to join me for the next episode very soon. Welcome back to another episode of the Talking Classical podcast. Coming up in this episode, I'll be interviewing composer, orchestrator and sound designer Chris Warner about his latest album, Wonders of the Cosmos, which is released on Friday the 15th of May. But before that, I'd like to tell you about something really fantastic that's being created, especially in this current crisis, by Alternative Classical. Now, Alternative Classical has created a new fun way to be able to watch classical concerts during this current pandemic. It's called the Concert Roulette, and it does what it says on the tin. Essentially, it's a classical jukebox with over 200 high-quality YouTube videos that's been curated by the team at Alternative Classical. Now, you get a random performance, which could be anything from Renaissance choral music to experimental solo pieces in a gallery. And you can choose to watch the performance in its entirety, or you can click another, just as you would with a shuffle playlist, jumping across time, continents and performances. All live classical concerts, as I'm sure you are very well aware, have been cancelled, which means that streaming has become the new way to access classical music during these times. There are so many people at home looking for interesting content to keep them entertained, informed and educated during this time. So Concert Roulette provides an easy way to discover music without needing any prior knowledge or experience of classical music. If you'd like more information about Concert Roulette, then please go to alternativeclassical.co.uk forward slash concert hyphen roulette. RSC composer Chris Warner releases his new album, Wonders of the Cosmos, on Friday the 15th of May. It's a beautifully atmospheric album taking the listener on an interstellar voyage across 46 billion light years. From the very edges of the observable universe to the moon, Chris demonstrates the seven wonders of the cosmos towards planet Earth. It was recorded in Ely Cathedral and also at Abbey Road Studios. Wonders of the Cosmos features the amazing tonalities of Ely Cathedral's organ with gorgeous strings. It also features British soprano Grace Davidson, set amongst the six-second reverberation of Ely Cathedral. In this interview, we talk about the album, how Chris combined his passion for astronomy with storytelling, and how he decided to shape the album specifically around the Ely Cathedral organ and advice for composers in today's digital age. Many thanks to Robert Sean at Wildcat PR, and many thanks to Chris for taking the time to talk to me. So many composers across the years have been really inspired by space and the universe and have written their own responses. So how did you go about writing your own response towards this gigantic subject matter? So it, I, I had a burgeoning interest in astronomy um, for the last decade or so. Saying that I, I have been stargazing, I, have, I am saving up for a telescope, I tend to borrow friends once. And then I, my, um, the best birthday present I had a number of years ago from my wife was a was a, a subscription to the local astronomy club and so I started this I live in Ely in the Fens in Cambridgeshire and uh, besides just being a, a, a great club where we get lots of really interesting speakers coming talking on 
matters about astronomy, but also cosmology and science and physics in a wider sense as well. So it's really interesting. It's not just all about um, astronomy. And there are a lovely bunch of people as well, some lovely friends I've got there. And that just, I just can't get enough of it really, and particularly, um, particularly the, the, the observational um, evidence and material that, that a lot of the speakers bring along. Sometimes it's in graph form, um, lots of uh, astrophysicists and cosmologists get very excited by graphs in the way that some academics get very excited by Schenkerian analysis or something like that. But um, to a lot of people, it's oh no, not another graph. But they, but some of the images that you see and some of the um, mock-ups of how they think, for example, like dark, dark matter might be evolving or some of the um, emulations of how they think the universe may have formed and which is based on mind-blowing maths and and we and years of research and and thought uh just I, I just can't get enough of it and it, every time every time i sat there in a lecture i just see in a lot of the pictures and and what they're talking about similar patterns and ideas that we think about in music i know it sounds a bit far-fetched to link the two together but um a lot of the stuff, a lot of the radio astronomy talks about waveforms and wavelengths and what they're doing is not looking at things, but listening to things, listening to listening to a planet vibrating. And that is going to create uh, fluctuations in, in planet vibrating might cause, you know, a, a wave uh, create energy uh, in the electromagnetic spectrum that's picked up by radio astronomers. And that's no different but on a huge scale to the waveforms that we're dealing with in music all the time all of these things are sort of connected there's this really interesting stuff over the centuries isn't there on the um, music of the spheres and things that different uh, scientists um i think newton was one wasn't he um and um galileo and other people and uh have done on we're really interested in the ratios between the movements of the uh, of the planets around around the sun you know how many times does one planet go around in compared to another planet and what's the ratio of those relationships and of course in in music and what we know about um acoustics and music and the famous the apocryphal story of of um pythagoras passing the anvil uh the anvil maker and listening to the the pictures of the different anvils and realizing there's a relationship between the size of the anvils and the and the difference in pitches and the and then from there construed these things that we now call perfect fourths and perfect fifths and octaves and ratios of three to two and uh one one to one to two and all of that so even even at that planetary level you can uh you see people trying to translate that into kind of well what if we can see this imagine this as music and i don't think that's an accident because i think you know there is something profound at the heart of the universe that is as much musical as it is mathematical and we know that music and maths go together and and intelligence at the same time so so it it was a natural thing for me to then think of, okay how can i express this in musical form and then you think oh well you know how do you follow holst how do you follow all these other things what you know what could you possibly say that hasn't already been said so i started with um 
I I love the Hubble Space images. I don't know if you've seen any Hubble uh, any of the images that the Hubble Space Telegraph has given us over the years. And the famous ones like the Pillars of Creation, um, these amazing gas clouds in the Eagle Nebula that are millions and millions of light years across. I mean, they look just like big pillars that you might see in 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 Rome or something. But when you think they're millions of light years across, it's just extraordinary. So I started with all all the images because I love writing two images or just having an image in my mind when I wrote and and it sort of snowballed them from there really and the pillars of creation became the basis of one uh one piece um and I I was sort of I mused on the well there's lots of threes going on in the pillars of creation you've got the pit you've got the you've got the three pillars and so I then started playing around with ideas of three and uh triple time and and also there's this there's a um the reason the pillars of creation were called pillars of creation is because they are they were named like that because of the significance of the number three as a trinity and so i was playing around with numbers of three and phrasings of three and times of three and clusters of three in that um and whirlpool galaxy beautiful image amazing spiral galaxy and um sort of extrapolated from that just uh, repeating patterns and and of course this was all the, the the big idea i had at the time was i'd love i've been wanting to do something at um collaborate on something with the music team at ely cathedral for a long time i had a i used to be a core scholar and lay clerk many years ago so i it's very much in my veins um cathedral music and uh and just being in and amongst cathedrals so i knew that at the heart of this uh, piece I wanted to feature sort of an, an organ because I don't a, a, of the size of a cathedral instrument because don't think there's any other instrument for me that can better help play with some of these sort of ideas on a cosmic scale there's something quite cosmic and uh, out of this realm isn't there about uh, an organ and again it's just vibrating pipes it's wavelengths vibrating air vibrating in in tubes which is not much different to what's going out there in space so there's something very kind of visceral and organic and um simple about an organ as well i wanted to know actually um how this project came about were you approached by audio network with a brief to write an album about space or did this come from your own interest in combining space and music how did it all happen that's a really great question, actually, because I sometimes forget that. And um, I mean, p- people might be interested to know about this curious world of of um, production music, it's called, or sometimes it's called library music, which mm-hmm. um, is music that's used, well, it's used everywhere. And I've been writing it for, for many years and I love doing it. So every time you watch a TV program, you know, there's end- there's always music in the background, whether you want it or not. It really irritates me, actually, and I write some of it. You know, documentaries and natural history programs and if there were composers who write specifically for those programs maybe the credits or maybe all of the music but a, a good majority of the music is is what's called production music or library music so it's music that composers like me write it's not for that specific program it, it we would write in collections of of albums in the old days it used to be cds now it's sort of all on it's all kind of on online catalogs um so you'd maybe think of a a, a brief for an album a concept for an album and then you if you already have a relationship with a production music company then there's usually a 
you either get asked approached or to say oh we need a collection of music that is for that would do well for um dy dystopian type dramas okay let's talk about how what that might be or you might pitch ideas to them and in this case i thought hmm now audio network a, a production music company been around quite a long time now they're they're i mean i love working for them because they yes the they, they, they need music that is usable. The big word is usable. It needs to be usable by the film editors and the TV companies. But they also love anything that's just a bit different. And, and they love helping us as composers explore new creative things. So I didn't think they'd go for it. I just said, look, I've got this idea for sort of a space-themed album. And I would love to use, use the organ at Ely. I think it probably also would, would involve a choir or maybe a solo soprano and strings and other orchestral things I thought I'm going to go with that and I said oh yeah we like the idea of that we've sort of been thinking about doing something like that um so that's how it sort of came about and then you go through um quite a long process of writing demos so nothing's audio network you records everything uh, as much as they can with live musicians which is brilliant not just for the music industry but just for the quality of the music so um so then there was this, just the challenge of, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to record the organ properly? And uh, they've uh, got a really good relationship with uh, Abbey Roads, which is where they do most of the sessions. And it doesn't exist now, but up until last year, Abbey Road has a mobile unit, which is a bit of a secret thing. But uh, they came down to Ely and we spent a couple of days recording the organ. And then we, uh, with uh, Edmund Aldhouse, who's the organist at the cathedral and a very fine player. That was crazy because we had to set everything up very quickly uh, because the cathedral's open to visitors. And so we recorded. Yes. And then the Lady Chapel at Guildford, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been to it, get started at Guildford at Ely. Uh, have you ever been to Ely? No, I haven't. I'd love to visit someday, though. It looks beautiful, though. It is. It's a. It's called the cathedral. Is called the Ship of the Fens. Amazing Lady Chapel at Ely, with the reverberation time is something like seven or eight seconds. It's it's a beautiful space for for voices. So we then we recorded, and I was couldn't believe it when Grace um, Davidson, who I've heard her work many times, yeah, soloist um, and chorus singer with the likes of the Sixteen and Extraordinary, and done some amazing film work. But she said, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. So she agreed to come and do it. Um, so we recorded the, the, the uh, Grace and, and the organ. And then the following week, we went into the studio, Abbey Road, and did the big string orchestra. Um, but we recorded the organ in a lot of detail. We had a lot of mics and we recorded. I recorded all the manuals separately and the pedals separately and some of the other details separately. So that the other thing about library music is, or production music, it, the, it takes a long time to, to finish the albums because once you finish them you have to do all these different cut downs of every track so different versus like 30 second version 60 second version, oh yes mixes sub mixes mixes with organ mixes without organ just goes on forever <laughs> so recording all the parts of the organ separately meant that i've got lots of really interesting um things out of it and then sometimes they pick particular albums to release commercially so that's what's happening with this album um because uh, otherwise people don't get to hear them and I think I I played I did a talk at the astronomy club about how we made the album about the astronomical features of the album of all the different pieces and people were just really wanted to hear it afterwards and other people have, who have heard bits of it 
used on on tv and elsewhere so oh, i'd love to hear the whole album so it was just brilliant when um they decided to to release it um on spotify and itunes and that that's so that's that's um that's what's happening at the moment so the full album will be out in in may um and yeah it was a big labor of love because the time it takes to, to to do the recording and writing and the editing um but um but i'm very proud of it and um and yeah i hope hope people enjoy listening to it to it too and i hope that, hope it gets them interested in what i really hope is that people will sort of look at the titles like cosmic background is the sort of feature track and oh, what is cosmic background let's find out a little bit about that that's the infrared radiation left over from the we think they think is left over from the big bang so you can see it in the sky if you've got the right gear it's like looking back in time to just after the universe began uh there's one called star cluster which star clusters are wonderful things to to look into uh, interstellar wind based on um the sound that voyager one picked up on its interstellar flight after it left the solar system solar system it picked up this weird sound uh which is a bit freaky and um there's the death march there's a track about a as uh, a planet that's gradually being eaten by the sun that just create all this sort of crazy stuff so i hope it'd be lovely if people sort of saw the title heard the music and thought oh let's find out more about that and gives them an interest or an, uh, an, uh, an appreciation of just the beauty that is and also the you know the terror because it's a big dangerous scary place the, the cosmos but yeah just all of that i hope it saves a few seeds and gets a few other people interested in astronomy too i was just going to ask you i mean because i really enjoyed listening to all the tracks yeah it was brilliant and i was going to ask you um what you would hope listeners would get out of the album whether um it would encourage them perhaps to explore more into into space or to take some sort of practical action or will your music be used on a um science program or a film or i hope so but it's already i mean they so the music's been out there available for um for the sort of tv and film industry for for a while the the, the album itself now is, is being made sort of more publicly available um but it has already been used on a, there was an episode of the sky at night which is all about the cosmic background radiation so they <laughs> use that particular track quite a bit and it's been picked yeah it's used been used on uh, documentaries about stephen hawking and other things which is what i hope it would be um when I, mean, I tried to create an atmosphere in the music and you would have heard that the music's very spacious we deliberately decided yeah. when i first started doing the demos i was writing quite a lot of detail it but we decided because of the size of the cathedral the size of and we just needed everything to be so so i sort of went back to the drawing board a bit and and made it much more made the textures much more open big soaring strings um very simple phrases um and and i I think that really helps because you do get a sense of the expansiveness of the universe i think and you get that amazing acoustic of of the cathedral as well so it does lend itself to programs and and things about space um although who knows other people might listen and hear something else but um did you have a favorite track or one that you liked um 
I think the the last track was really epic. Yes, yes, there are a few <laughs> epic ones. Yeah. The sort of yeah, I suppose that's a nod to the cinematic because you know some of the classic space films of, of the past and and now yeah music so that was a little sort of nod to that but also you can't i don't think you can go into a place like Edie and 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 sort of work with the organ there the mighty harrison and harrison organ there and not pull out all the stops you <laughs> yeah you have yeah. to really go for it in some places so um uh yeah i i i didn't i gave into temptation with <laughs> yeah um, it made me think actually i must go i haven't listened to a while for a while but I, I i must go back and listen again to the host and some of the other pieces in the literature yeah any recommendations for classic space themes pieces of of music or well actually i was doing a little bit of research before this interview and i mean obviously i mean there are obviously some great composers obviously like hans zimmer and Eric Whittaker, they've all written pieces inspired by space and then obviously Strauss and Holst and yeah. And then of course there's I guess more contemporary stuff with, you know, David Bowie and Yeah, of course. There is, isn't there? Yes, yes. Yeah, so Space the, Oddity and the big concept albums that are sort of dealing with similar things but just in a different genre. And of course go thinking of your game uh, the game sort of episode you did as well. There's a lot of Yeah based in space and so the music there is sort of quite epic and space orientated as well isn't it yeah did you have any particular musical inspirations or creative inspirations for this album talking about listening recommendations inspired by space or i don't i i i don't think i did um i mean i'm i'm sure i had things in my mind what I, what i did do though is i spent a bit of time i've got uh, friends who are organists and I'm, I'm fascinated with the organ I think it's they're amazing instruments they they appeal to my I'm a bit of a uh, tech techie geek I love I love mechanical things and they're just <laughs> as as, as machines they're they're rather wonderful um, but as instruments they're they're also quite phenomenal so I'd spent some time with friends on other organs just learning more getting more of an understanding of the different registrations and I was drawn what I did do is I listened I decided which which of the kind of families of, of registrations and, and pipe work lended itself to uh, w the kind of sound well I had in my mind. So it was the flutey, the, the, the flutey stops, which when, when in a cathedral acoustic sort of sound twinkly and just, yeah, uh, just in the distance. Ethereal, isn't it? Yeah. And then very ethereal. And the, I've, I've always loved the string stops on, on organs that and the vox humanas and those 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 french sounding it's extraordinary how pipes can almost sound like strings mm. and you hear that a lot in cosmic background the track called public cosmic background you hear these augmented chords on on the sort of vox humana and, and reedy string stops which gives you this sort of shimmery opaque kind of sound so i was guided so my inspiration yes i did listen to things but i listened to the sounds of organs rather than to other pieces of music okay. and that made the kind of textures and then I sort of built built the music up from um from that I think I, I don't remember I think I probably consciously steered away from some of the classic repertoire just okay um to to, to try and do something a bit different but also of course because it because it's 
the other challenge with sometimes with production music writing is that it's all very well getting creative and having grand ideas but it's also as i said earlier got to be usable and not too unapproachable so the music i think is i try to make it accessible um but also put little bits of challenge or meat in there as well they're very accessible i think um they're not big listen and the time we have to keep the time of them down to sort of about three minutes so whilst yeah. i'd love to have extended some of them uh i mean it's an interesting whole another topic about again writing production music where how do you write music where which is continually developing and add and creating interest but never changes yeah it's in a tv context or film context people want the music to underscore a, 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 a narration or a voiceover or a scene they don't want it to suddenly then do something different but they don't mm. want it to sound just like it's the same bar over and over again so also you're hearing these pieces in this album uh it's expansive but it's not like continually the music isn't continually developed there are builds mm. crescendos and and it falls away but there's no the material is kind of all there in one one piece so so really as a composer when i first started writing production music i find that quite challenging because i do a lot of theater and theater is all about telling a story and getting people yeah. together and things happening but you can't do that in production music so much. Mm. Um, but I will go back to the heart. Just talking to you today, it's just maybe hmm, and listen to some of that repertoire again. Actually, because yeah. they're amazing pieces. Definitely. You just mentioned the the organ there, and you also mentioned about the various mixes as well that you had to make for audio network so i just wanted to ask you as well um what were some of the challenges of recording in ely cathedral and also abbey road because i saw the pictures of the pipe organ and those massive um horizontal reeds and it said that you could actually crawl into them you can so the third <laughs> that's amazing those are the um the big open wood the base stops which are so big they have to be laid horizontally and they're big enough yeah. to crawl in i mean it's just that's how much air you're moving about the building when the organ again the you know it just makes me think of the air moving through space and the cosmos but yeah it was cha- it was challenging in the um as i said earlier we didn't have much time to set up we had to set up sort of during the afternoon mm. Place, but then as soon as the building shut after even song, get all the cabling in, get every made sure everything didn't wasn't time really to do much of a sound check. We just had to make sure. Yeah. And and when you're doing a classical recording, um, I think if you're recording choirs and and organs, the 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 general rule is use as few mics as you can to just get the most natural ambient sound. Mm-hmm. You were asking about preparing the different mixes. I knew that I needed to capture the organ in lots of detail in order to be able to create different mixes. A lot of cathedral organs are, you see the big case, don't you? The big organ case. Yeah. Realises a lot of the pipe work can be in other parts of the building. So the base pipes are the around the corner from the choir. Mm-hmm. And then pipes elsewhere. So we had to put sort of mics everywhere to capture all of that. And then after the first, it was after, halfway through the first session. We don't know what we think, because we you might have seen the picture of, um, 
the, uh, the, the this huge radio mast which we, we put up the, the center of the cathedral that the tower Ely is beautiful it's this amazing octagon tower but we put a radio mast about 50 feet up with mics on oh yes I saw there were like 20 mics and we think that at some point because there were bats in a cathedral a bat oh, yes. one of the mics oh <laughs> it was but, and it just did something and there was a there was a hum uh it sort of generated noise so i which was frustrating but you can with with the technology that exists now you can remove all of those sort of yeah. <laughs> i spent hours removing noise uh, so that was one challenge uh the other was well not not a challenge but just a freaky moment we, we all sat we set up a control room in the vestry we had the, the monitoring equipment and the, and, and the recorders recording equipment and the engineer who was sitting there and we were just all sat um quietly and we were nearly finished it was about 11 at night and there was just this low moaning um coming came started coming through the speakers we'd finished just finished the organ recording and it sounded like i mean it sounded like some kind of monk from the 14th century who was <laughs> started doing plain song or something. we got it recorded on tape just got, got this sound of this sounds like this ghostly moan coming from the distance <laughs> coming from some and um yeah we were a bit freaked out by that i keep playing it i keep playing it back and just yeah it's definitely something there mm-hmm. that was a bit freaky. i mean the other challenge then yes is just take the other challenge was was ma- marrying up the organ because we recorded in different locations, making sure that I had to very quickly do a sort of a rough edit of the organ takes that we did so that when we went into the studio with the string players, they could... We, we knew we had to do the organ first because of the tuning. I mean, mm. the organ at um, Ely is, is at concert pitch, but just there were slight variations in an organ. Yeah, like humidity and... Exactly. And the way organ pipes work in some of the stops is they are actually detuned. You know how when you detune strings or notes, we use that in, in, in mixing a lot, you know, to create chorus effects and things. So we knew we had to do organ first. And so, yeah, I'd had to work quite hard to make sure that everything was in order with the organ and, and what we've recorded with Grace so that then it made sense to the string players and they could um, sort of play properly to they knew what they had to do in terms of tuning and phrasing and everything to to what the organ uh organ and grace had done yeah so it was yeah these these projects always take a load of work yeah there's a lot of just there's a lot of joy and wonder when you work with amazing musicians like edmund and grace and the string players ahead but then there's also a lot of graft and sometimes drudgery especially in all the editing and all of that uh, it's worth it I wanted to ask you if you had any advice finally for young composers. You just mentioned that, you know, it is hard and that it is a lot of work and you do have to put the, the graft in to, to get the results. You do. Uh, yeah, advice for young composers is... Um, firstly, I think be as open... Well, I what seems to have served me well, I can talk about what, what has helped me because it can be challenging. It's really even now. I'm, I'm I somehow, thankfully, managed to make a, a living as a composer, for which I'm extremely grateful and never take it for granted. But it's it's difficult, and some days you really feel, oh, I'm not sure I'm really any good at this, or you know, people are doing this much better than me. They're all the same doubts, and mm-hmm. and that never goes away. But 
what's helped me is to be as sort of open-minded as I can mm-hmm. about accepting, trying to kind of embrace any project and any, any opportunity and any collaboration and just sort of go with it, even if your gut sort of make your, even if it makes you feel a bit queasy at the thought of having to, to do that. Um, I think knowing what your strengths are is really good too. I mean, I know what my strengths are as a writer. I would never attempt or to, to write any sort of electronic music or, or, you know, commercial pop songs or anything like that. I'm not, I could have a, have a go, but I know that's not, I would love to, but I just don't know that's not my uh, skill set. Um, just as, just as an example, I think, meeting people is really important i think in the days of um social media which is also really important i think nothing nothing is better than a cup of coffee with somebody and i'm still especially in the theater industry i'm still going for meetups with people i haven't necessarily worked with directors other people you know you make contact or you meet through someone so should we have a coffee and let's have a chat and i think what you realize is that actually every time you go for a coffee with someone or you know just a meet up or a meeting for the first time it's kind of a job interview you know and every time you meet someone new or another musician or a, another potential collaborator it's always a potential job interview and I, I think it's just um i think when you are aware of that then it helps you see that there are many more opportunities out there than you think because not i i haven't answered a job interview for many years I, I that's not a it's not a bragging thing it's just that the work just sort of comes from people you've met and people you've worked with before and recommending mm. you and that that all comes from just sort of trying to put yourself out there and meet people whether it's going to see shows going to concerts um getting to you know listen to podcasts connecting making connections between people and um so and, and also don't get too, I think the last thing is don't get too hung up on, I say this because I do, don't get too hung up on what you think being a composer is. I've got some friends and colleagues who are amazing composers who aren't, shall I say, formally trained. I mean, I didn't, I studied music, but I didn't train in composition. Mm-hmm. And I think you um so much from artists and other writers who come from different backgrounds, who didn't necessarily start out as composers so uh, or, or as musicians even um so there's no substitute for just getting your hands dirty and giving it a go and going going with your instinct and don't forget that you can now stream download and buy chris's new album wonders of the cosmos from friday the 15th of may Well, I hope that you'll be able to join me for the next podcast when I'll be talking to singer, actor, musician and star of stage and screen, Julian Ovenden. It was lovely conversation that I had. So um, do be sure to check that out. That should be out within the next week or so. Meanwhile, stay safe and I hope that you'll be able to join me for the next episode. Bye for now.